And so today we've titled our message, Leaving Babylon. Now there's, there's three things that, that I'm hoping that we can get out of the message today that is, are, are these. Is, is first is that there's, there's an ultimate consequence to rejecting God. Right? That's the first thing I hope that we get out of this. Uh, I also hope that, that we recognize that, that there's, there's the, the things that the world can offer us can be enticing. Right? And, and I think it's important we recognize that. But we've also got to understand that, that God desires his followers to react a certain way to those things that we find enticing in the word or in the world. And so we're going to jump right into Revelations uh, not chapter 5, but chapter 18, and we're going to be starting in verse 2, and it opens up with a, a proclamation from one of God's angels. And here's what he says. He gave a mighty shout, Babylon is fallen, the great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons. She is a, a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture, and every foul and dreadful animal. Now, a hideout for, for every foul creature, a, a home of demons, uh, a hideout for all dreadful animals. I mean, it, it kind of paints a, a stark picture of Babylon, doesn't it? And I think as we, you know, as we get into this passage, it's important that we understand kind of what this Babylon is that we're talking about. And so to, to give you an idea of that, I, I want to jump us back to Gener Genesis chapter 11, where we hear about a, a city called Babel, right? And, and this is after, after the flood, after God has judged men for rejecting him. He floods the earth. Uh, Noah and his descendants are, are beginning to, to, to grow and, 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 and propagate the earth again with, with people. And we read that they come to this valley, right? And, and what they decide to do is that they say, let's build a city and let's build a tower that reaches into the heavens. Now, there's, there's nothing wrong with building a city. There's nothing wrong with building a tower. But, but what was happening here is, is we see the intent of their heart, right? See, their, their heart's intent was they were rejecting the leadership of God. They had decided that they were going to reject the leadership of God and that they were going to pursue power, that they were going to pursue riches, and that they were uh, riches and, uh, and like the luxuries and pleasures of the world, right? And so that's what that tower meant, that that tower was symbolizing the rejection of God and, the, and, and showing the glory of men. Well, what happens is God puts an end to it, and he confuses their language, and they're spread out throughout the world. Right, that the construction of the tower and the building of that city stopped. But later on, as we read through Genesis, uh, uh, the same area becomes known as Babylon. Right, the the ancient city of Babylon, the, the capital city to the empire of uh, Babylonia. Right, a, a powerful kingdom, a powerful empire, an empire that didn't serve God. An empire that, that, that had rejected God for the very same things to pursue power, pleasures, and riches apart from God. Right? Babylon is, is actually the, the, the empire, the kingdom that conquered Israel and took Israelites, God's people, into captivity. 
And we learn that God, through his prophets, said that, that Babylon was going to be judged for their sins and that Babylon would be ruined. And when we look back through history, we find that, that Babylon indeed was ruined and no longer exists. You know, there's, there's something that these two cities kind of have in common. And, and I'm sure that you caught it. It was their rejection of God and their pursuit of, of power, riches, and pleasures apart from God. See, now, now power by itself is not bad. Being wealthy, having riches by itself is not bad, right? In, enjoying life is not bad. But see, they were seeking these things apart from God. You see what happens to power when God is taken out of the picture. Power is not used to, to help those in need and, and to help those and, and help bring people up, right? Power is used to oppress people. Power is used to abuse people. Power is used to hurt people, right? It is the same with riches, right? Again, nothing wrong with riches, but apart from God, Riches produces this thing, the, the desire for riches produces this thing called greed, right? And, and what greed does is greed uses people for riches. Greed abuses people for riches. And then there's nothing wrong with enjoying life, right? The, the pleasures of life. But apart from God, what do these, what do these pleasures become? These pleasures become addictions, they become drunkenness, they become sexual immorality, they become a bunch of things apart from God, they become things that are not honoring to God. And so throughout the message, when, when I'm, I'm speaking about people rejecting God in pursuit of, 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 of uh, the power of riches and pleasures, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And so the first thing that, that we see in this passage when it comes to what does Babylon represent? All right, what does God, Babylon represent? I believe Babylon represents um, powers. It represents nations. It represents, um, I mean, it could corporations. All those powers and entities that reject God for the pursuit of those things. And so the first point we come to is that God brings his judgment to the world's greatest powers. Now, we're, we're talking about revelations, right? I mean, there's, you can imagine how many ways different interpretations or different viewpoints people have in, in these different things we see in revelations. And so I'm going to point out, really give you three perspectives uh, of this passage. Right? The first is, is like three perspectives or, or lenses to, to view it through. The first is, is going to be the, kind of the first century lens. Because we know that, that this, this Revelations was written to some churches in the first century. Right? And so it had application to those, those churches itself. The second is, is kind of a, a lens of the, the future, right? This, this, this future coming of Jesus Christ, the, the culmination of human history. The third is going to be a contemporary lens. You know, this, this lens of, I believe the Bible was not only written telling us about the past, telling us of a hope of the future, but also telling us 
uh, but having spiritual implications to our life today. And so first, the, the first century lens. Many people would believe that, that Babylon uh, represented in, in respect to that first century lens, Rome. You see, when you, when you look at it, Rome was like Babylon, right? Rome was, was not a, 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 a kingdom or a civilization that was pursuing and worshiping God, right? Rome had, had rejected God for the pursuit of power, for the pursuit of, of, of riches and, and um, pleasures, right? And, and I think when you look back into Roman history, you can, you can see all that. Rome also became known for, for persecuting God's church, right? The Christian church. And so looking at that first century lens, we would say that, that God was telling the first century church that as powerful as Rome seemed at the time, right? Like, I mean, they were the most powerful in the known world. As powerful as they seemed at the time, God was telling his church that Rome was going to be judged for their sin. See, and we look at it from the perspective of the future, right? The culmination of human history with the return of Jesus Christ, right? We, we see a, a, a kingdom, right? A, a, that this final evil kingdom that will be doing the same things, right? Well, same objective as Babylon, same as Rome, Rejecting God, opposing God for the pursuit of power, riches, and pleasure. And something that's interesting about this kingdom is, is Satan is no longer interested in running things behind the scene. I think there's good argument to believe that Satan is at the head of this kingdom, opposing God. And the Bible tells us that this kingdom, this final evil kingdom will persecute Christians, followers of God. And so when we look at it in that perspective, God is saying that this kingdom, right, this, this evil is going to be judged. That the rejection of him is going to be judged. Now what about the first sentence? What about kind of the contemporary viewpoint. How do we look at what spiritual value can we find in this today? Right. I believe that it could mean that Babylon could represent, um, again, any corporation, any country, any power, any, any you know, organization, in any of those things wielding and holding power that have rejected God's truth, that reject God for the pursuit of power, riches, and pleasures. And again, we know the results of those, right? When those things are pursued apart from God, the result is, is that people are wounded, people are hurt, people are used. usually the poor and the needy. And so the Bible tells us that, that this sin, right, that this will ultimately be judged by God. 
But you see, it's not only Babylon in danger of being judged. We have to understand that it's not only Babylon in danger of being judged. I mean, because think about it. Think about Babylon, Rome. I mean, all these guys, they had reach. They had power. They had influence. And so they influenced the nations and the people around them to join with them in rejecting God for the pursuit of these worldly things. Look what it says in in verse 3. It says, for all the nations have fallen because of this, of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. Because of her desires for extravagant luxuries, the merchants of the world have grown rich. See here, Babylon is, is pictured as this woman who is enticing the people around her, right? It says that the kings of the world committed adultery with her, following after her in the pursuit of these worldly things, rejecting God. You see, in the Bible, when when the Bible talks about adultery, usually it's it's referencing uh, sin or opposition to God. Someone sinning against, against God is described as adultery. And this is what this passage is saying. See, out of her, out of her desire... For these worldly things, she entices and invites other people to join her. This was true in Rome. I mean, think of Rome's reach, the most powerful empire at its time. Think of the reach it had and and how it influenced other people around it. And I think it's true today. I mean, just in a simple form. Think of how we're influenced, right? Think of how we're influenced. You know, I, I saw a commercial that was, that was talking about um, trying to motivate people to do something. It had to do with corona, the coronavirus. And it was asking people that have had the coronavirus and recovered to go give their blood. For a good reason, you know, give their blood so that, you know, they might be able to, to find a cure to help some other folks and, and things like that. But, but think of, look at who they put on the TV to influence us. Right? They, they put... They put Actors, right? They, they, they put like the, what they considered to be the influential people, uh, the people that would be influential to us. It's always the, what we would consider the successful people, the, the actors, the movie stars, all those kind of people to influence us, right? I mean, think of how easily we are influenced by the world around us. How easily we can be led astray to pursue the things of the world. Music, movies. I mean, it goes on and on, right? The amount of influence. How easily we can be influenced to pursue the things of the world instead of God. Especially when we're offered a little piece of it, right? A little piece of that success, a little piece of that, that pleasure or happiness. You see, and I think as we, as we begin to move further away from God, as people move further away from God in this kind of sin, they begin to grow arrogant and prideful. And we see this in Babylon as well. Look at in verse 7. It says, She glorified herself and lived in luxury, so match it now with the torment of sorrow. She boasted in her heart, I am a queen on my own throne. 
I am no helpless widow and I have no reason to mourn. Right? I mean, she's saying I'm, she's, she's not a helpless widow. She's powerful. Right? There's nothing outside of her reach. It says she, she boasts in her heart about the things that she's doing, the things that she's pursuing. She doesn't believe that she can be judged. I think we can end up the same way. You know, I, I don't think it happens overnight. I think as we, you know, make compromises, you, we, we make compromises. Maybe it's a, a business compromise and there's, there's a, a chance to kind of make a little bit more money, especially in difficult times like now. And so you, you, you kind of compromise ethically. And you didn't get slammed. You know, maybe it's a, a personal choice where, where you compromise on something and you notice that God doesn't judge you right away, right? The, the sky didn't fall on you. So you maybe kind of begin that, that pride of that, that sin, that, that arrogance begins to grow. And, and, and maybe you come to the point where you, you actually think that God doesn't mind or that God's okay with it or worse yet. You come to a place where you don't care if God's okay with it or not. But you see, although Babylon thinks that nothing can touch her, the Bible tells us that she will be judged. And as you read further in the chapter in, in verse 8, it says that Babylon will be overtaken in a single day. symbolizes the, the certainty of Babylon's judgment and destruction. But you see, God doesn't want us to, to have to experience that judgment and that destruction. And so God commands us, he commands his people to pursue holiness and to leave Babylon. See, maybe you've, you've uh, known someone that has struggled with an addiction, Right, and, and one of the things that, that people tend to do is, is they separate themselves from, from old things, right? Maybe they, they stop hanging out at the same spots that were kind of encouraging that behavior or that addiction. Or they, they, they separate themselves from old friends in order to, to, to get control of it. Or, or maybe some people actually go to the extent of, of changing their environment altogether, right? They, they move to a different place to separate themselves from what they're fighting. This is what God is, in a sense, is asking us to do. Look what he said back in verse 4. He says, Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. Come away from her. Don't take part in her sins. Or you will be punished with her. But what, what does it really mean? I mean, how do, we, how do we run away from Babylon? I mean, if you remember if, from that, that, that first century lens, that revelation, this letter was written to churches, right? And not all of those churches that received this letter lived in Rome. So what exactly was God asking his people to do? What was he asking them to do? I believe we can find the answer in 1 Peter 2.9. It says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. 
You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he, for he called you out of the darkness into the wonderful light. See? Amen. See, if you put your trust in Jesus, what did, what did God call you? I mean, what did he call you? He, he says, you are his chosen people, his, his holy nation, right? And, and when the Bible uses the word holy, it's talking about separated, that you've been set apart. You see, so, so, so living holy means that, that, yes, we may have power, but not without our relationship with God. See, it may, it may mean that we, we may have riches, but not without our relationship with God. We may enjoy life, but not without our relationship with God. You see, Christians, we live in this challenging tension, right? We were created as, as part of this world, right? And, and God says, Share my love with the world. But yet at the same time, it's like we're being told to separate ourselves from the world. So are, are, we, are we supposed to go up into the hills and create our own community? Well, if we were to do that, how would we love the world? So we're supposed to be part of this world, but not following the ways of this world. So I believe that, that leaving Babylon, leaving Babylon means we, we look at our own hearts. Leaving Babylon means we look at our own lives and see whether they, me where they measure up with God or where they don't. Does that make sense? You see, anything out of alignment of God's will, right, of God's truth, in the way that we live our lives means that we're pursuing the things of the world rather than pursuing our relationship with God. And he wants us to correct it. I think the best ways to do this is, is obviously is to pursue God. We have to pursue God personally, right? Working on our relationship with God through reading his word, so that's where he speaks to us, right? Through prayer, We've got, to work, we've got to grow in our relationship with God. We've got to pursue God in community as well. You know, similar to what we're doing here today with, with small groups or, or with a mentor. Because, you know, sometimes God brings people into our lives that helps us see things we're doing that aren't honoring to God that we don't even realize ourselves. Right? And so it's, to, to, to flee Babylon means to pursue God and evaluate our own hearts. The last thing I want to leave you with today, the last point really is, is this, is that God's judgment is always right and good. You see, God hasn't asked us to judge others, right? God has asked us to judge our own hearts. It's difficult to judge the intentions of other people's hearts, and we usually will get it wrong. That's God's job. God will do that. He's asked us to judge our own hearts, right? But judging sin is his job. 
And as difficult as an idea of it is, of judgment, when we're talking about, I mean, just in this passage, destruction of, of cities and things like that, as difficult it is, God doesn't tell us to mourn for his judgment. We're actually called to rejoice for his judgment. Look what it says in verse 20. It says, rejoice over her fate, O heaven, and people of God, and apostles and prophets, for at last God has judged her for your sakes. At last God has judged her for your sakes. You remember the Babylon that is yet to come? The Babylon that the Bible tells us about that is going to be that final kingdom opposed to God, God's enemy, led by, by Satan, right? The enemy of God and, and all things good. Well, this evil has influenced the world over all of our history and has caused pain, has caused sorrow, has caused anguish. I mean, all you have to do is, is look at our world history books and you can see how this, this evil has played out and influenced mankind, causing unmeasurable amounts of heartache and pain. I mean, look what it says in verse 24. In your streets flowed the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people, and the blood of people slaughtered all over the world. You see, Babylon is guilty of sinning and rejecting God and shedding innocent blood all over the world throughout the history of humankind. And God's judgment will bring all of this to an end. That's worth celebrating. That's worth having joyful that, that all that sin is going to come to an end. But here's something you must remember. Regardless of what form that sin, that evil takes, corporations, countries, kings, nations, whatever it is, we've got to remember that that sin resides in my heart, in your heart as well. But see, God doesn't want to condemn and judge us for that sin. And that's why God made a way for us to be forgiven of those sins. That's the whole point of Jesus, the lion that has come to, to rescue and to save. God does not want to condemn people. He wants to save people. But sin will be judged. And so he sent Jesus down to, to take the penalty for our sin on the cross so that Jesus would face the judgment and wrath of God instead of us when we put our trust in him. So the good news of the Bible is even though we deserve judgment, God is willing to give us forgiveness. So I want to tell you, let's leave Babylon behind. Let's come to Christ putting our trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Let us pursue God, a, a life of holiness. And let's remember that there's more to life than power, riches, and pleasure. True fulfillment in life is found in this very relationship with a God that loves you.
and wants to forgive you. Will you pray with me? Father, you are worthy. My God, you are righteous and you are holy. And Father, I know that the idea of judgment can be difficult for us to grasp and, and seeing how, whether it's fair or not. But Father, we trust you and know that you are righteous. And so Lord, we look forward to the day that all sin is judged and removed from this world. And Father, as we look forward to that hope, I pray that as we look at that hope, you would give us the courage to evaluate our own hearts and live in a way that honors you and helps people come to know you themselves. In the name of Jesus, amen.